0: December 16, 2021, the unimaginable happened. Our small island of Shargau was hit by Typhoon Odette, one of the strongest storms on Earth that year and declared Category 5 with winds that reached over 260 km per hour. The result was catastrophic, 95% of Shargau was completely destroyed including the homes and businesses and livelihood of the local communities. With signal down for days and no communications on the island, grassroots organizations and individuals outside of Chargau mobilized fast to send help to the island. By now, you've probably already heard of the nonprofit organization based in Chargau called Local Lab, who led the charge and took action fast, raising funds to help get relief goods and shelter to the island during that first week, that very crucial week after the typhoon. In this episode, we speak with Cara Rosas, co-founder and president of Logalab, and the main point of contact in Shargao's relief operations. Cara shares her experience as someone outside of Shargao when the typhoon hit and takes us behind the scenes of the relief operations from her perspective, how she felt at the time, some of the wins, and some of the challenges she and her team faced. We learn everything there is to know about Local Lab, its mission, its present and future projects, and ultimate dream of empowering the local community to create a self-sustainable island. We also hear about incredible stories on the ground of local individuals finding smart and resourceful ways to help as many people in their own communities. At the time of recording, it was exactly one month after Typhoon Odette landed in Shargao. The reality of this situation is that there is still so much to be done and still so much pain and trauma that lingers, especially from those who experienced the storm firsthand. But there is hope and it's incredibly inspiring to see so much strength and so much love in Chargyle's community that there is no doubt that we will rebuild from this and only come back stronger. Thanks so much for listening. So this is actually our first time speaking to each other in a while like since everything happened um in the typhoon since even before the typhoon. I just want to know how are you? Like what is happening right now with you? Yeah,
1: no, like thanks for reaching out. We're really so excited to have this episode and like share our story, but um like for me personally, like I'm doing well. Like I'm okay, but um, I guess for everyone also from the island, like we've all been like been feeling like a mix of emotions, really. Mm. Like from being so thankful and so shocked that there's so many people really helping out and then frustrated because there's so many logistical nightmares, communication things going on, and also just like feeling so much sadness that there's still people who don't have roofs, who people who aren't getting any help at all, and some people are starving. So... I don't know what I'm feeling, but I'm feeling like just everything all at once. But what I do know is, like that, I still feel confident in knowing that
0: Shergao can be rebuilt because of the community that we have. Yeah, for sure. And you know, like for people who don't know this, you have just been working nonstop since it happened. And I just personally want to say, like, thank you for everything that you're doing, I, I think you're just like some sort of <laughs> superhuman robot uh, with human emotions or something, because you're able to do this and, and continuously do this even after, you know, a full month after the typhoon. So I'm just, I wanted to kind of check to you and see how you were doing. You were outside of the island when it happened, right? You were in in Manila. Yeah.
1: So I went home for the holidays. Just a week before actually.
0: Yeah, same, same with me. I literally landed in Canada and then a week after the typhoon hit. How did you feel when you heard what happened? Do you remember what you were thinking? Like
1: I remember that the storm was coming and that people were already being told to evacuate. So it was early in the morning. Um, I couldn't get a hold of, like, anyone in Burgos anymore because they lost signal. So I was kind of freaking out and saying, like, okay, this might be worse than expected. And then we, like, everyone just kept checking windy. And we saw that the storm was going to be a direct hit. So, um, and a storm hit Shrega, like, last December. And it kind of really affected, like, all our farms. That wasn't even a signal number one storm. It was just a storm, but... And so I knew I had to act right away and said, okay, if this is going to be a Category 5 typhoon, I can't imagine what the damages are. But we have to start like bringing awareness for it and raising donations. So I think when we lost Signal, like complete Signal, even with the people in general, Luna, this was around 12 o'clock or 1. With me and my marketing team, I told them, like, okay, we have to prepare something. Let's post donations already just so that we're sure that after the storm hits, we have some money to help bring back our farmers. And I think, like, during the whole day, I was just talking to everyone, like, from who were residents in the island who weren't in the island. We were, like, all panicking, wondering what was happening, thinking that the signal or electricity would come back, like, at night and we could talk to our friends, but we still didn't hear anything. And I think, like, that night I didn't sleep so well, and, like, neither did other people and the next day, we're like, okay, we have to do something. So that's when we kind of organized ourselves. Actually, no, even on the same day of the typhoon, we already set up drop-off points and found a logistics company to help us deliver goods to the island. It was just so hard for like the next three or four. I'm not sure when we got signal again. And like when we heard our first news, but I think this was the third day when we heard um what really happened and that person who escaped to Butuan uploaded the first photos of what happened to Shigao, And that was really just so nerve-wracking, seeing, like, the devastation, right, that it brought. And not knowing if our friends are alive, if our family's alive, if the community's alive, because all we're seeing is just photos first.
0: Yeah. I tear up thinking about it just because it was one of, quite possibly for me, the worst feelings to not know, right? Um, But luckily, yeah, we, I mean, Local Lab was one of the, one of, if not the first organizations to take action immediately, you know, from day one, you mobilized fast, like you said, um, to raise funds to gather relief goods, you know, food, water, temporary shelter, you were kind of the main touch point for many of the efforts simultaneously going on within the first couple days since the typhoon hit, which was amazing, like for you to already think ahead Um, as to they will need help knowing that it's a category five. You already knew before you had word back that they will need help. Can you describe for us what those first few days were like for you on your end and locale lab trying to, apart from also the emotions, this is your home as well as, you know, as many other people who were witnessing this outside and just kind of on the edge of their seats not knowing uh what were those first few days like trying to help without any signal without even knowing like you mentioned what was actually going on so
1: um i remember like i had a hard time because i was the only person from my team that was outside of the island so i had to make decisions on my own and i was like and this is, like, when I was talking to, like, all the residents. So, like, we were all just coming together and helping out and seeing, like, how we could help. I remember the day after the storm, I met up with Sam and Summer and Nicole. And we were just, like, planning our next steps. What do we do? I think we were even shocked because I think just the first day, we were able to, like, get way more than we expected. And so we were like, okay, um, like, let's mobilize this. And let's send help as fast as we can. What we did was we really just like strategized, found people who could do the logistics for the in-kind donations we were getting. Because at first we didn't know, like we knew that we had to send things to Sherga, to the island. Because like we could, even if we raised the money, we had to find how could it get there, who's going to receive it and all that. And I remember like we were just all like really just like work mode, like nonstop (laughs) trying to find solutions to like answers we didn't know because we didn't know how bad the storm was. We didn't know if people were alive, if people were dying. We didn't know if planes could even land, if the boats could even land. And I remember, like, one of the first days that the plane left, I went to the hangar, and that's when, like, I saw all the locals and like the residents who were stuck in Manila, like, fly back to Cagayao. So Iket was there, and other people too who were trying to get help back to the island. And I remember just like seeing everyone's face; you could just see everyone so worried. They don't know what's happening. They're just scared, like, scared about their family. And I think when I was in the hangar also, that's when like I heard a rumor that, oh, there are 200 people that died in Burgos. And so my heart sank because that's where Locale's community is, right? Like most of our farmers mm-hmm. and these farmers for sure don't have stable homes. So I remember just like breaking down there and like also like the other people like were crying with me because we didn't know what to feel and we didn't know what to do. And like at this time, you didn't know what were rumors or what were real stories. Like, you you would just believe anything that was told to you because it was still ground zero. But it was nice to see, like, just to be around people who understand what you're feeling and that everyone there, like, knew that they wanted to get help to the island. Like, looking back at it, it's crazy. Like, I can't believe that's just been a month ago. I, I can't even imagine, like, what the people who were on the island were feeling because we wanted mm-hmm. to, like, send help right away them right and I think we were able to send out goods on a relief plane really fast and we we're like okay let's hope that it arrives and that they'll find out somehow that the goods are there or someone's going to distribute it so we just kept sending goods like nonstop. and I think like when we finally heard back from people on the fifth day like this was day five because I remember I wrote a plea for help like from international organizations and we posted it all over but on day five we heard that people weren't people still didn't see any help coming, like from the military or people didn't see any relief goods that we were sending in. And we were like, but we've been sending these stuff. So we we're also really confused with what was happening logistically, right? But I think like that letter kinda helped because like I sent it out to people who had connections to like high up, people who had connections to like high international NGOs. And I think just like really trying to get that awareness in that aspect that It's been five days, people still don't have food, people still don't have shelter, we still don't have connection, like, get help to the island fast. And is just only one of the islands that was really badly affected. Like, there's still so many islands that need help as well. But, I mean, like, is really lucky that it has the community that it has, that everyone is just trying to mobilize and get
0: help. Right, and it must have just been so challenging not having any communications What were some of the other challenges you faced as an organization, especially during that first week? And how did you get around it? I know you talked about logistics. I mean, I'm I'm sure there was just so many things you were just trying to juggle with all at once. I remember like the first three days,
1: even our DMs and our emails blew up. We were probably getting like a thousand messages. People were asking, looking for their family, asking if we knew where they were. They were asking how they could help, how they could donate. I remember, like, my number was also there. And every five or ten minutes, I would get a phone call. And, or, like, in all the Messenger wow. chats. I'm, I'm sure you've seen, like, all the group chats that people mm-hmm. formed on Messenger to get help. Like, nonstop, people would, like, like messages kept just kept flowing in. And, like, it was very overwhelming because, like, of course, we want to get help. But then, like, I think, like, we had to take a step back to say, okay, like, what's the most efficient way to do this? And try to act not on emotion, because, like, if we just act on mm-hmm. our emotion, it's just going to be so difficult, right? So as much as I wanted to cry, as much as I wanted to break down, I was like, no, what's important is that, like, we get help in the most efficient way, and how could we do that as fast
0: as possible? Wow. This is this is why I admire you, too, because I just remember being paralyzed for 48 hours, not knowing, just, like, devastated but the fact that you were able to overcome that—I know you were also overcome with emotion too—and um, everyone really mobilized fast. I want to take a step back and actually talk about Local Lab. Um, and for those who don't know, can you kind of describe the organization and what is it you did there before the the typhoon hit? What were your actu- What was the kind of mission of Local Lab and Local?
1: Actually, yeah, like Locale was never supposed to be like a humanitarian organization Uh responding to disasters. And I'm sure, like every, like all the other orgs on the island and all, like all the private initiatives, like none of us ever expected to do that. But like Locale has always been an org that was built for the local community. And our goal was really just to empower the locals to be a platform for them to reach their full potential for us to help them shape Shirgao into the sustainable, self, self-sustainable island that we always imagine. So some of our projects, we have three pillars in local actually, um livelihood, culture, and education. So for livelihood, like we're really focused on farmers. We built the local tabo for them, our farm market, where we help the farmers sell their produce and connect them to the market and give them train training and seed, seeds in exchange. For a culture aspect, we help weavers and local artisans to be able to continue their legacy because, like, as you could see, um, like, Shigao, it's really progressing fast, right? And we didn't want the locals' culture to be taken away by that, similar to, like, what happened to other destinations in, like, Boracay. We didn't want commercialization to, like, affect the locals and their livelihoods because at the end of the day, like, this is still their island and we're just lucky that they welcomed us in. And what we wanted them to feel is that this is still your island and we're going to help you out to reach the potentials that you really want to do. So sometimes um, we invest in some local businesses, like we help start like a flower shop of one of our neighbors, a carinderia, and um, just really seeing how we could be a platform for them to reach their goals. And then, for example, for like our educational side, like we started this journalism club called Pasalo Journalism. Like during the pandemic, and what we wanted here was for the kids and the youth of Burgos to have a voice. And so there we would get people to come every Friday, give them um give them classes on how they could do storytellings. And we've really seen like these kids evolve and wanting to share their story and be a voice for the locals. Like if you've seen on our Instagram, we actually shared some of the um the journal entries that they wrote. And it's just really so nice just to see it from a locals perspective and more for women and kids. And I remember yeah. like when um we were Mark and Iris came to Manila, they brought with them like the diary entry of this girl named Carlette. And it was like written down on paper. And like I just broke down reading it because like just seeing her emotions and seeing how it is. And I just wanted to share that with the public, right? Like show them this is what a local kid is going through and what they feel like. They're entire home is gone their families are affected they don't know what's going to happen like sometimes i get messages from people um like for example like Carlette, we told her write as much as you can we're going to share it we're going to give you a voice and we also like we want to support her in terms of like showing that journalism and storytelling is very impactful because stories can change systems we believe that and just having giving them a voice so that People understand what they're actually going through is really powerful, and I think that's why, like all the photos we've been posting, all the stories that people have been sharing, really helped us get donations and awareness.
0: I absolutely love that, and I also remember that you you kind of have your hands. Local has their hands in a lot of the things too. You you created a children's book that you know that was distributed that were given to our kids at Ava Club, um, which they loved. And and exactly what you said, I think what I love about your organization and why people trust and donate it, um, donate to it, is that you are truly local. Like you actually listen and involve the local community in your discussions and decision making and kind of empowering them to come up with solutions for the island and its future. Why do you think that this is such a crucial part to Local Lab and like kind of making Shargao different from the rest? I think, like, to
1: really have change, like, you have to come up with, like, localized solutions that the community themselves want that change. And, like, how are you going to do that if they're not advocating for it or if they don't believe it? So, mm. like, our ethos in La also was always to work with the local community and make them understand and, like, hear their insights because you want them to feel that they are part of the solution and, they're the, and that they're not the problem. Because sometimes, like, When we before, like when we would talk to the locals and we would encourage them, for example, okay, like send your kids to this journalism club. It's going to help them in their education. But some are like, no, we're just going to like we're just stuck in the cycle of poverty. If I join this club, how will it even help me? That's what really gets us like that. They've been stuck in this cycle where they think that they don't have potential anymore. But they do. Like when you talk to the when you talk to them, when you like have conversations with them, and when you just listen to them, like they have so much dreams and hope, and we want to be able to help them achieve that through just being their platform. And our goal of local is like really like after a few years that we wouldn't be there anymore because the lo- we were able to empower the local community enough that they're able to take on the roles, and that's like how we can make it sustainable, because they're part of the solution, right? You listen to them, you understand them. And they wanna they want the change for themselves. And I think like even during like our adept operations where we assisted the locals. For example, like one story that I really like was when we helped this small Barangay in Pilar called Caridad. And I think we gave them like hundred and fifty thousand and we said, Okay, like use this to buy relief goods. Um, we were able to connect with this girl because she was the cousin of one of our old um volunteers in local, and she was the one who said I want to be able to help everyone in Barangay. In my Barangay, I think they were around two um 220 families. And she said, like, okay, if I buy relief packs, I'm only going to be able to help, like, 100. But then if I give cash assistance to them, then I could help everyone. And for, like, an org also, we were, like, we've never gave out cash before. I mean, like, we never gave out, like, relief aids before, but we never gave cash handouts. And to us for a while, we were, like, okay, how do we go about this? Like, what's the ethical or moral reason, like, why it's okay to be giving out cash? And then, like, we realized, like, um, these people completely lost everything, right? Like, you know that these locals keep their savings under their bed in a tin can. And when they evacuated, they didn't bring that with them because they didn't expect that their homes will be lost. But the reason, like, why we did this was because, like, we listened to the local community. We asked them, what do you really need? And this local was telling us, like, they're really asking for cash because they have to buy, like, different families have different needs. Some have babies, they have to buy milk right away. Some have elderly that they have to buy this type of medicine. And we were like, okay, like, let's empower the locals to know that they have control over their situation too. And it's up to Mm. them how they could spend this money. And so that was, like, the point of that conditional, like, that cash transfer assistance. Another thing also is, like, with a community kitchen that we formed, so we set up one also in Burgos, and it's around 30 local women's staff, and we said, okay, this is your budget, this is how much um you guys could get a day, and it was them who organized everything themselves, like, they were the ones who'd sourced their ingredients, they're the ones who did the budgeting, they're the ones who gathered women from the, the community to say, um, hey, we need help in cooking, and just seeing them organize by themselves, and just, like, empowering them, saying, like, okay, you have this budget, up to you guys how to use it, and now they're actually serving like the biggest meals out of our community kitchen. Two thousand five hundred wow. to three thousand meals a day. Like it's impressive. And just seeing that we were able to make the local community feel that they can bring about change in their own community is just like so empowering for them. And I think it's also giving them the trust. Like the trust mm. that you that they know what's best for their community. And sometimes like they aren't given that by other individuals, right? Because sometimes like we feel like we know better than them.
0: Mm-hmm, but in mm-hmm. reality,
1: like this is their community. They know what's best. They're the ones on the ground every day. They're at the grassroots level, understanding the co- root causes. We're just like merely like visitors um here. So just being able to create that whole dynamic with them is something that really like local has stood for since we started our organization.
0: Oh, I love that. That is it's 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 really brilliant because It's, you're not kind of this outside force trying to save everyone, you know? It's like, no, I want to take a step back as an organization, like as part of the community and listen to the local community and what they have to say and help them kind of build towards that sustainable livelihood so that, and and empower them um, to continue to do so instead of just kind of having or thinking about that short-term relief, which is amazing. Wow. Wow. So, you know, in the beginning, focus was on immediate survival, right? Providing access and distribution for food, water, medical supplies. A month after Typhoon Odette, what's happening now? What is what is the main focus that you're trying to raise funds for? Um, any projects that you uh, kind of want to speak about? I think what disasters bring
1: about, like they unveil the real problems that society is actually facing, like the problems that is wrong with the system. Because if we were able to have these systems fixed in place even after disaster, the disasters, by now we should like be slowly recovering already. But then you still see that people are homeless, people aren't getting enough nutrition from their diets, and that's what we want to like understand. And I think what really helped us was that Like as soon as the first or second week, we already made our action plan just to be sure that we don't lose track of what our focus is. And also like tying back everything to the whole vision of local, which was to create this self-sustainable island that empowers the local community. So all our projects, we pinned it on that. Like, okay, like this is what we want to do. So livelihood is gone. So for the fishermen and the farmers, for local, like we work with a network of farmers and now all their farms are gone. How do we start bringing them back and to produce for the community so first you're like okay we have to um, solve the immediate need which is to get first get roofs over their heads so that they could at least get some sense of humanity back and dignity that they're not standing up while sleeping that they're not getting rained on while sleeping that they're not covered with a metal sheet that they save just to protect them from the rain it's getting that dignity back so that they're like okay you can start working again the next step, like now, um, actually, we just got a grant for it from Yacht Aid Global. They gave us a grant to build a community farm in Burgos. So what we're doing here is that by the end of the year, we hope to produce like five tons of food. So like that ensures like food security. But then, of course, like livelihood aspect is something we're thinking about. Like now the farmers are starting from zero and they don't know how to they don't have the technology to build back typhoon resilient farms. Right. So what we did is like, we've been connecting with experts, we've been connecting with consultants of those people that have built farms around this. So I think by next week, our consultants are going to fly in and train the farmers on how to build back their farms. And at the same time, like the farmers that we're training, we want them to become teachers themselves for them to train yeah. their own community. Uh-huh. So really just like empowering them to become individuals who could be like catalysts of change in their own town and just giving them that knowledge, the knowledge that we have, combining it with the knowledge that they already have from their old practices and just evolving that into how they could really help out. And like, I'm sure you guys heard of Sev's project also to help build back boats. Dave Delro is also helping us repair boats for the fishermen in the north. He already did some in General Luna, but now his next phase is there. So for these fishermen also, um, what we want to do is for them to get back to fishing as soon as possible so that they could start fishing for their community. But I know like the problem was for fishermen, like the week after the storm was that because of the storm surges, fish wouldn't come back for a while. But hopefully now I, th- I mean like nature will always heal itself slowly, right? So I hope by the time like they fix their boats that some fish already come back. So that these fishermen really could start earning a livelihood. And we just want to like restart like the local economy of Shargao. And like mm-hmm. this also, like once we're able to like produce food in our farms, once the fishermen are able to catch food again, they'll be able to provide this to the community kitchens and the community kitchen. We hire local staff there so that they're employed. And then the community kitchen gives food to the locals and um, nutrition and like just knowing that like, they're able to eat every day and like a healthy meal. They're able to slowly get back into their routine and start working in new livelihood opportunities that will be now available in the island
0: uh-huh. yeah Every, everything that you're doing is very thoughtful and i think it's also that i've seen that you were collaborating with a number of other organizations and experts on things like coordinating humanitarian shelter you know what that entails you kind of give people a little bit of a template of you know this is kind of how it could look to build a stronger structure. Can you tell us a bit about some of these learnings from these meetings um, and how you're using it for future projects?
1: Yeah, so local was really, it's actually still like a really small like grassroots NGO. And before, like we would always reach out to these institutions asking for help for Shergao, like for farms or other issues. But Now, I mean, like after the storm, that's when they finally paid attention to us, when they realized what's really happening on the ground and that our community needs help. And that's when they started reaching out to us for the first time. They were like, oh, I heard that you're a grassroots NGO in the island. We see your socials. We see what you're doing and we want to help you out so stuff like that and like so they started inviting us to the UN meetings and it's really nice because like you see like all these big ngos like those who have experience really in disasters and then just us like the tiny player and just us trying to learn from them and i think it's like they listen to us because we have a voice on the ground like we tell them what's happening and like things that they don't really know what's happening on the ground like it's coming from us so it's really in real time and like um acknowledging the issues of the locals that they're facing now so for example um we're part of the shelter cluster in the un and that's where like we posted the information about like how to build back stronger and even like what compose like what's in a shelter kit and like what's in a roof repair kit because we have no idea in construction materials right like how much do we have to buy what are the materials that are good enough and how could we get it to the most people and i think like just trying to share that information to everyone else doing private, like, all their own initiatives was something that we wanted to do. Like, we wanted to be a knowledge source and, like, a thought leader in this aspect. So, being able to, like, lead people towards the right direction, show them what we're learning, and just
0: impart it to them. Everything becomes much more complicated and nuanced when we talk about the bigger issue at hand here, which is climate change. And I feel like when I think or talk about climate change, admittedly, I feel so hopeless. Like we as a society are working too slow and individual efforts are not enough. Like I don't eat meat. I reduce my plastic use and global footprint, all this stuff. But in my mind, I just feel like I that won't do anything. And I have all of these conversations too with my friends that. The governments need to change all these global corporations aren't, you know, we're as individuals, we're not really making a dent to not use plastic straws or whatever in comparison to the big changes that corporations and larger institutions need to see. So I know uh, on Local Labs, you know, Instagram, you're very informative. I love all of the, the information and the transparency reports that you provide to a lot of the people who are following you. But. And when you speak about climate change, too, what do you what do you think about this? And how can we sort of help to collectively deal with or prevent the effects of climate of climate change, especially in the Philippines, knowing that also this this might happen again? You know, climate change is such a complex topic
1: that we have to solve and. We have to bring upon like accountability for those institutions responsible to help us solve the issue. And how we can do that is by starting locally and like becoming catalysts of change in our own way. So like even if your individual efforts you feel like it's not helping. But then if you're able to influence like your community around you and then you're able to slowly change like their habits, and that's when we'll be able to at least solve that issue a little. I think like what I said a while ago also, it's the stories that really affect us. Like, look, when we've seen that more than half of the trees of chagao now are gone. And and it's sucked that it had to like go all the way there just for people to realize, oh shit, climate change is real. But it's our like now we're in the position to share that story so that we could change the system of what's happening. And we're very lucky in chagao that we're very vocal about it. And I think The fact that it's our hometown that we're not gonna stop advocating for it till Shiga finally um is able to get back on its feet. Like even for example, like usually after storms, people forget about it. Like one or two months after it, the hype down is down. Mm -hmm. People forget about it. But I think what's gonna happen to Shiga is because there's so many active people on the ground that we're gonna continuously fight for our island. And Mm. I think that could really position Siargao as, like, this one island that was able to rebuild back stronger after Typhoon, considering, like, the sustainability options and how we're not just going to do, like, temporary shelters and it's going to be gone the next year because another storm comes. Like, we're thinking of long-term solutions. And this is what Siargao can be. And this is what people have been saying also. Like, we have to take advantage of the position we're in. To be able to prove that we can become that model island of change, and this whole and that other people and other islands will look up to us when a disaster comes. Like, how do we rebuild back better? How do we include the local communities? How do we include the livelihood aspect, education for children, the culture that it doesn't get lost? And this is what local really wants to push for. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I think like with Shergao, it's like a revolution will happen and like a good type, cause like we're rebuilding back stronger and. I think like, you really can't change any society unless you, we take responsibility for it. And unless we all see ourselves as a part of the solution and that we belong in what could be changed. And that we can be responsible for changing this new narrative into something better, right? And if we're all able to understand that, if we come as a collective, we've seen the power of community. Everyone coming together towards one goal. And then that's when we could like unite as a voice and shape Shergao and rebuild back better.
0: No, I uh, I absolutely agree like even in comparison to different islands you definitely see a lot of the local people really wanting to create a better island like even you know the beach cleanups and the kids getting involved the kids getting educated the the bans on plastic bags you know if we do it as a collective I mean, mm-hmm. we only, we're only we only stronger by numbers and by spreading that word in those stories, it can just reach it even further. Because if you look at it, like these Shigaonons and the locals,
1: they've been living by nature. They grew up with nature and it, nature is rooted in their culture. This is where they source their food. This is where they get everything. And they know these solutions already for climate change. They've been implementing this. And it's by listening to them that we're able to understand how can we grow it back, right? And that's the important thing by starting local, and then we're able to digest and understand the gravity of climate change by being able to show them what's happening at the front lines and never giving up on that. And that's something that we could help the locals do by making them realize that they do have a voice, since often they don't think that their opinions are worth it. And it's also our responsibility, like even as residents of the island, fighting so hard for their community to rebuild back better. It's something that we could help them do, right? And I guess like this also ties up, and you see it already happening in the community. For example, how once um, the storm happened, and now we see around 2 million coconut trees that actually fall into the ground. And you see these locals harvesting the coconut trees to be able to process it and get chainsaw so that they could rebuild homes. So it's something as simple as like They knew the solution of not to waste the fallen trees on the ground and then reuse it again. And what Locale Lab is doing with, with regards to that is that we're giving them a platform to do this further. So one of our projects called CocoLab actually is where we're utilizing the fallen trees and using it to rebuild rebuild homes for the locals. And we've seen that this is something they already do did are doing, but what we want to do that is to be able to help them and expedite the process to make sure that everyone could have access to this wood and to these facilities. Because face it, like people don't have the money to buy chainsaws, right? But then if we're able to give them the power to be able to use, use what they have on the ground already, localizing that, and then we're able to translate that further. And this empowers the locals because they see that they are part of the solution. And by being able to give them the tools to elevate that and to really empower them further, then we learn also solutions from them. And it's by just connecting with the community and acknowledging that together we're able to make the change. And then that's when we could slowly and slowly by slowly influence people that they are instrumental changes in
0: in climate change. My heart, you're giving me <laughs> you so much hope. There's this beautiful quote from Bell Hooks that I love. And she says, Rarely, if ever, are any of us healed in isolation. Healing is an act of communion, which I very much agree with. And I say this almost every episode in our past guests have said it before, that the community in Shargao is so strong and this time this really tragic time we're seeing that now more than ever how would you yourself describe community love in Shargao especially after all that you've experienced and all that you're you've seen you know you've kind of had this holistic overview of what's been going on how do you describe the community in Shargao? I think yeah what makes Shargao Shargao it's the community
1: and it's people right like all the love and the magic really comes from the individuals who are there, like the locals who who reside there, the residents who decided to move to the island and all just like the tourists who come in and go. Everyone, like they fall in love, yeah, with the natural beauty of it, but then it's the people really and just everyone coming together, regardless of your background, your race or anything, like you could have a conversation with them, you can connect with them. And we're all united in that, relationship that we want to be there for our people and we want to be there for our community and i think that's what's pushing everyone to really work hard for God to be rebuilt because i've just seen like everyone organizing together people really just wanting to get help in the island exhausting all their energy all their resources to be- make sure that we can do this this is going to be a journey for the next five ten years like e- through all the heartaches that I know we will face and that we have already faced, like it's only gonna get more difficult, really. But I think it's just never giving up on the community, and I'm—I know people won't give up.
0: I just wanted to say thank you so much for your time and for for taking the time to speak to speak to us about locale and what has happened. You're doing such an incredible job. I'm so impressed by you, not just of your work but you as a human and your heart and your soul thank you so much for everything
1: oh thanks des it really means a lot and it's just nice to like share what we're doing and what we're doing with local and like the credit's not just all on us okay like it's the whole community of shirgao everyone else i think like local just became the front of that but like there's so so many individuals on the ground working hard so many private initiatives reaching out to us. And it's just like, everyone's just really coming together. So um, I don't want Lookout to be the only credit for the change happening on the island. Like it's all of us. And I want people to know that, like it's the whole community who's bringing about this change.
0: A huge thank you to Kara for your time and for everything you do. It was honestly so uplifting to hear about the work and the love being poured into Siargao. And I'm so grateful she was able to share her perspective so openly with us if you have the means please consider donating to Loka Lab. all their donation channels are listed on their instagram at lokalab that's l-o-k-a-l-l-a-b and you'll be directly helping to fund future projects for the rebuilding of Shargao and its people thanks again for taking the time to listen Shargao you have my heart sending all of my light and love Bye for now.